0: The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do." Well, friends, we're looking this evening at uh, the second in our series of studies on the life of the Apostle Paul, and today we're looking at his uh, conversion and his uh, call uh, to service. Last week we were looking at how God had uh, providentially uh, prepared the Apostle Paul And if you haven't heard that message, do go online to to listen to it, to catch up. Uh, But uh, wonderfully, how God prepared uh, this man for the great task of writing, being inspired by his spirit uh, to write the letters, and also of uh, the work, the great missionary work uh, that he he had uh, for him. Uh, In saying all those things, uh, we did say that he was very much a genius, but we don't attribute it all or any of it, in fact, uh, to the Apostle Paul himself, as if it was all of his own making and all of his own efforts and labors. We don't want to balance that out and say it was the grace of God that made him to differ and made him the man that he was. And yet he had, uh, he was specially equipped, we could say, for the work of the church, uh, for the ministry. <laughs> A real, really interesting person as you read and go on, uh, to read about this man, uh, Paul. He's a curious paradox in some way, because on the, on the one hand, he says, I'm not lagging behind any of the apostles. And on the other hand, he says, Who is Paul? Uh, who is Apollos? On the one hand, he says, I labored more abundantly than they all. And on the other hand, he says, Yet not I, but the grace of God uh, that uh, worked, uh, that was with me. And you see that throughout uh, Paul's uh, ministry. That's not our topic uh, for today. Our topic today is the conversion of Paul and uh, the call uh, to serve, to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, this uh, dramatic account that we have in Acts uh, 9. Well, friends, it's often uh, sarcastically said of Christians that they have seen the light, that they have come uh, to uh, the knowledge of the truth. They've seen the light just as Paul has here and even this whole experience of Paul is often used uh, in the world, worldly language. That people in the world talk about the Damascus experience, the Damascus Road experience, speaking about people who've had some sudden change of mind, or people who have, in business, maybe they've hit on a, a very good uh, idea, or, or somebody working in industry or science uh, comes across uh, a way that changes things and changes everyone's way of thinking or working. And uh, we often refer to that as they've had a, a Damascus Road experience, a life-changing experience, maybe for, for other people. So the world uh, is, seems to be very familiar uh, with this uh, passage of Scripture of Saul's conversion. And it is a very an exceptional uh, experience, a very significant experiences, what it signifies, a life-changing one, and that's what it was for Saul. It turned his life around 180 degrees, and he became a totally different person. Last week, we were thinking about the providential ways in which uh, God had prepared uh, Saul for the work, his upbringing, his privileges, his gifts and talents, his languages even that he had. The Hebrew, the Aramaic, uh, the Greek, all those things were, uh, were, were part of his preparation. But, friends, all of that would have been to no avail without this conversion experience. Because his work that God was giving to him was a spiritual work. And without conversion, well, all the other things uh, would, uh, w- would fall by the wayside, as it were. They would be of no use to him without this one. Uh, a, a experience of conversion. Conversion prepared him uh, best for the work and he, it turned him from a natural man into a spiritual man and that is such a life-changing experience. Now, the Bible of course has so much uh, to say about uh, conversion, how someone becomes a believer in Christ. In the New Testament we say that a, a Christian is somebody who has seen the light when the, the penny drops and they're able to see clearly that their need of salvation a person is born again a person is bible talks about a person being converted a person being saved translated out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light all these are biblical expressions and there are a number of others also and all of them uh, show to us uh, how a man or a woman or a young person is uh, changed, a spirit to become a spiritual person, how they become new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ, how they are justified, how they are made right in God's eyes—that's what conversion uh, does uh, for us. Put, uh, conversion puts us into the the narrow way, delivers us from that broad way. Conversion puts us on the way. To the celestial city and away uh, from the city of uh, destruction well uh, we the the terms uh, can be multiplied because there are just so many of them uh, in uh, the Bible and of course they all mean so very much uh, to us they all teach us uh, such amazing things and such an amazing variety of the things that happen to us when we are converted to Christ and they're very precious to us because they also show to us what exact, exactly happens. Sometimes we see conversion in the healings that took place, especially in the Gospels. You think of blind Bartimaeus, and that was a picture of a conversion. But we, in an especial way, you could see it in direct conversions, where people are actually converted in the scripture. And those are probably even more helpful to us. We have here uh, the, the conversion of Saul, and becomes Paul, then you have uh, the dramatic conversion of the Philippian jailer, uh, and then you have the gentle conversion of Lydia, the Lord opening her heart. You have that last minute conversion of the dying thief on the cross, you have the woman so unexpected. That woman who who loved uh, the the Lord so much, and uh, she found uh, forgiveness because uh, she came to Christ. Then there's Peter, but it's not only the New Testament, also conversion began in the Old Testament. You have Manasseh, that great king, again another totally unexpected king was saved. Naaman, the Syrian, uh, 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 and Samuel, and so many more, right from the very beginning conversion has been the big thing conversion has been the essential thing in picture language in actual occurrences these are the things uh, that uh, are so uh, valuable and precious to us and when we put them all uh, together then we can make no mistake really by what real conversion uh, is uh, with Paul uh, we are given a detailed account in fact uh, there are Uh, If you look through Acts, there are actually three accounts of uh, his conversion. Two of them is what he relates himself when he's giving account before uh, King Agrippa on one one occasion and another occasion. And Luke, uh, as well, is recording this in chapter 9. But also in his uh, letters, there are also uh, incidentals, or he refers to it in an autobiographical way. So it comes through uh, in the New Testament. And we're looking uh, tonight at his uh, conversion and trying to learn some lessons from it and his call to service. And here, in the one and the same appearance, uh, he's called to believe in the Lord and he's also called to serve the Lord, that he's going to be a preacher to the Gentiles. And that's important to say because conversion is not just putting us into a right state with God, and bring us into a right into the right way, but it's also uh, giving a work uh, to our hands, putting something into our hands to do to serve uh, the Lord just as it is with Saul so also it is with all who are converted. We are called to believe and we are also called uh, to serve to do something uh, for the Lord. but what we want to do now is to, to show that Saul's conversion though dramatic and really uh, a very special one in so many ways. In essence, the characteristics of it are pretty much the same in every conversion. Every real Christian has something of Saul, what Saul experienced here. And as we study it, uh, we hope that these things will be of help uh, to us. So firstly, Acts chapter 9 and verses 1 and 2, read again. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now friends, the first thing uh, we note of uh, every uh, conversion, and certainly here uh, with uh, Saul's conversion, was that it was something he didn't want. It was not something he was looking for. It was not something that he was seeking. It was God who sought him. God intervened uh, in his life, and God uh, took uh, the initiative with him. The Bible is very clear uh, about this, and the whole narrative is very clear, that it is God uh, who takes the first step in salvation and powerfully persuades sinners uh, to repent and powerfully persuades them of the reality of God and the need uh, for a new life. From what we saw uh, last week, uh, Saul, well, he was a self-satisfied, self-righteous uh, man. He believed God was pleased with him. He was the bee's knees to God, and he was uh, he was so God was so happy with him, and uh, he. He felt that uh, he he needed nothing else to take him uh, to heaven. The last thing he wanted was Jesus Christ entering into his life and telling him what to do. The last thing he considered that he needed was a saviour in this particular way. And yet that is exactly what's happening to him. This man, uh, he's in in what we call uh, his natural state. And there must be a time, uh, friends, when if God is to save someone, then God begins to incline that person's heart towards him. God begins a work uh, within the person's mind and heart and soul by his Spirit where he uh, draws them uh, to the Savior. He begins to work secretly in a person's heart. And it is he who grants that faith. And that repentance uh, and helps them uh, to, uh, who are rebels against God to begin to change and to turn towards God. Without the spirits working, none of us would ever turn. That's why we cannot say, it's man's decision. It's not man's decision. It's the Lord who brings us to a decision, but it's he who first works uh, in us. This is the grace of God, friends. And without this intervention from God, well, we would be left to ourselves. We would have continued in our own way. We would have gone down the wrong path. We would have ended up uh, in hell. But we love him because he has first loved us. Well, we can make, uh, uh, firstly as well, we can say uh, an assumption here about Saul uh, that uh, as he is journeying to Damascus, with this view to uh, this commission as he has, this and permission from the high priest to arrest uh, Christians, believers and, and drag them all the way back to Jerusalem. As he's approaching uh, Damascus, he's not uh, fully at peace. He's actually uh, troubled in his mind. He's doing something and he's not 100% at ease with what uh, he is doing. He is feeling already a little bit unsettled uh, in his beliefs because God is uh, God is uh, roughing up the waters God is shaking uh, his life uh, within him he's not as sure of himself as perhaps he outwardly is making himself out, out to be and perhaps he's even beginning to think there is something in this the, this this Christian faith the way is called the way at that, particular, at that time and he began to think the way these christians are thinking the way that they are behaving hmm, there's something in it they dare not say it at that time because he was outwardly uh, so uh, pharisaic and, and so zealous for for the for the Pharisa- pharisaism but uh, he is uh, troubled in himself and the reason we say these things is because of what christ says to him here In verse 5 when he said who art thou Lord and the Lord said to him I am Jesus whom thou persecutest it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks that is against the goads and uh, it it seems like uh, the Lord was working in his conscience and saying Saul you shouldn't be going this way and he was overriding his conscience and he's fighting against his conscience and he's trying to suppress his conscience. When the Lord is saying, uh, impressing upon him, uh, this is the true way, he didn't want to hear these things. And he, perhaps he thought, it's the devil who is uh, putting these thoughts into my mind. And so he's feeling like this uh, this uncomfortable. But it was the Lord who was, going, was, was pricking his conscience, and yet he was going against it. So he's in a bit of a, a quandary. He's resisting the movements of his conscience. And he's strongly objecting also, we could say, uh, to the way that he is taking. Uh, the Bible, well, it has a word uh, for this, and it, uh, we call it uh, conviction. He is under conviction of uh, sin. And it's certainly a work of the Holy Spirit in the soul. Uh, and uh, he, uh, uh, a work of conviction of the Spirit is usually over two matters. In one, we see that conviction of sin, and also there is... Uh, a conviction uh, that uh, the, uh, what the gospel says is true. It's a persuasion about both these things that the Holy Spirit gives to a person uh, when they are under conviction. Th- this conviction, though, where we see from other examples in Scripture, doesn't always lead to conversion, yet it must be present if ever a person is uh, to be saved, you know, then this is the beginning of what we might call a, a process in the soul that leads to someone becoming a real Christian. I have to say from, from personal testimony that uh, one of the things that awakened me to make me realize that I wasn't a true believer was that I looked back on my conversion experience, my initial conversion experience, which was just to say a prayer, and I thought, oh, I've never really, I was never really convicted of my sin. I said that it because it's the right thing to do, but I never really felt uh, the need. Uh, that I was such a bad person and really in in need of a saviour But uh, it's so important that we have uh, this uh, Holy Holy Ghost uh, working uh, in our souls and here we are reminded isn't it with 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 the Apostle uh, Or rather with Saul as he what then was that he was a clever man. He was uh, a knowledgeable man He knew the scriptures uh, so well. He knew the law of God uh, so well, not just the Ten Commandments, but uh, all the intricate parts of the law he was so familiar with, and yet he was never convicted of his sin. In Romans uh, chapter 7 and verse 9 he says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. I was alive, I was without the law once, I didn't have any conviction, I was familiar with the law. It didn't trouble me, didn't trouble my conscience, didn't pierce me, didn't show me that I was a sinner. But when the commandment came, when the law came and showed me my lusts that I shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't be doing that, thou shalt not covet, it came with that spiritual f- meaning and force to me. Then sin revived. Then I felt guilty. Then I felt condemned. And I died. I lost all my confidence. I lost all my hope in my own righteousness and the law uh, came in that way uh, to him. And so he knew, when when he's under uh, conviction, uh, he knew uh, uh, that uh, he was a sinner and convicted uh, of it and needed a new life. Now all of that was taught uh, to the the Apostle uh, Paul by the Holy Spirit, and he was convicted of his sin. But then he was also convicted about something else, he was convinced about the Lord Jesus Christ. Only he uh, could help him, and only he uh, could save him. And this also was devastating for uh, Saul, because uh, Jesus Christ was the one uh, who he despised, and he hated his followers, and he'd been persecuting them. And so it was a real uh, change uh, for him. But this is true, friends, in every real conversion. We all see at last we are sinners against, against God. We really feel it. We really know it. And then we see the Lord Jesus Christ. But he is uh, the Savior of sinners. The one who before maybe we thought very lightly of or thought we didn't need him or just disregarded him. Suddenly he becomes the most important person, the person we have to know, the person we have to have, the person we have to believe in. Suddenly, uh, these things happen uh, in our lives. And that's God who is working in us. And that's what happened uh, to Saul. He was under this conviction. Well, that's no nice thing when you're under conviction. It's no pleasant thing, and uh, there's no nice feelings here, no warmth uh, uh, as he has. He's under sorrow. He's, He's troubled fought against, the Lord says to him, yeah, it's hard, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And we ask ourselves, what exactly was troubling the apostle, Saul, what was uh, he thinking about that was so troubling to him? Well there are a number of things uh, to mention, uh, firstly the words of his great teacher Gamaliel would have been ringing in his ears, let them alone, let them alone. If it's of God, it will stand. Do you remember? We looked at that last week. That was Gamaliel said about the Christians. Leave them alone. And this is Paul's teacher. This is the great Gamaliel. And he's going against it. He's going against the advice and uh, the teaching of uh, uh, his uh, his teacher. And uh, that would have caused him a great amount of unease. Then also, as a young person, uh, he would also have felt trouble at what he was doing. It's only natural, isn't it? You're going around, as it were, beating up other people and arresting innocent people because of what they believe. This is, he wasn't at this time a hardened persecutor. He wasn't a hardened inquisitor. This is something relatively new for him. And he, is, uh, he would have felt this is nat- in a natural way, this is just not right. What I'm doing, the way I'm treating these people is just uh, not right. His conscience would have troubled him. Then, of course, again, this uh, Stephen and the way and the manner in which he died. And the arguments that uh, Stephen put forward also in that preaching message of the sermon of his. Well, Stephen explained it so well. He brought together Old Testament scriptures. I'm so familiar with those. Those words, I'm sure, must have played on Saul's mind. And of course, when Saul died, uh, Stephen died, rather, he said, Father, for, uh, lay not this sin to their charge. Again, all these things. How can he do that? How can he forgive us? How can he speak like that? Uh, many of these things uh, would have uh, affected uh, and be revolving around in the mind of, the, of this uh, sword. And then also we could say uh, all those Christians that he did meet and he did apprehend and he saw the way that they were. He saw the gentleness, he saw the meekness, even when they're being arrested and dragged from their, their homes and from their loved ones. Well, he's, he saw that they, they behaved very differently. He saw that they were the best of the people. Never met people like this before. They're kind. They're gentle, they're honest people. It seems uh, that they are devout people even. They don't seem to be enemies of God. They're not behaving like they're enemies of God. And uh, that must have also uh, touched uh, his, his heart. And yet they made him angry. And uh, he became, he was violent and cruel and uh, unfeeling. And, and yet uh, he felt, uh, must have felt surely that his behaviour uh, is wrong. And the very lies of these uh, Christians, when he compared himself with them, uh, must have been a means of conviction uh, for him. And he was shown up that he was not like them, but he dare not say uh, these things. Well, friends, there's also the Lord Jesus Christ. He must, by now, have been f- be very familiar with Christ. Uh, he, uh, he, he hadn't, as far as we know, we He hadn't seen him face to face but he had heard about him he'd heard about his teachings he heard about his miracles those demonstrations of uh, his power no man could do uh, those things unless God was with him and he heard about his his kindness and his goodness and his mercy and his healing all those who came to him and he must have thought how could this man be an enemy of God and he's demonstrating all these things he must be God uh, himself and uh, the resurrection accounts as well all those things so much for him to think about and with his large mind he must have touched upon all of these things well so many people have said they've seen the risen Christ and it was impossible uh, to refute their testimonies because some hundreds at one point hundreds of people said that they saw him and so he thought uh, so much about this as the Old Testament prophecies and uh, he was able also to think about those it's just uncanny how they all fitted together and just seemed to be suitable for one person for Christ for Jesus of Nazareth how can it be so he was gloomy and he was miserable uh, when he thought about all these things as he was approaching uh, Damascus and it was uh, nothing, it seemed, was right uh, within his soul, in his thinking, uh, even though he'd stood with such uh, religious confidence and assurance in his Judaism and in a very self-assured way in that, in his being a Pharisee and a Hebrew of the Hebrews, but uh, here uh, he is he's not so sure that all these things uh, were God working in him through all these means. Friends, uh, as before we move on, uh, here is a reason why the way you and I live as believers is so important. Because how our testimony uh, to the unbelieving world can be used of God to bring others to conviction. The way we, our neighbors see us, the way our workmates see us, our colleagues, our fellow students, well, they, uh, they will see something different in us. But if we react in the same way, if we're just the same as everybody else, if we follow the same things, and then uh, then uh, they'll see that oh, we're just uh, the same. But if they see a, a difference in us, see us living out our Christianity, well, that the Holy Spirit can use uh, that. Well, let's continue to see what, what happens uh, with uh, Saul. Here, verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Well, the journey from Jerusalem to Damascus was all of uh, six days and they would have taken, it was a, a, a journey for about 160 miles, so he's got plenty of time to, to revolve over all those things that are, are troubling him. But when, uh, as he approaches Damascus and uh, he sees uh, this light, there's this, suddenly there shine round about him a light from heaven. Now this is unique to Saul's experience, conversion experience. It's not something that is for all of us. Some people want the light. I remember a brother, he was in China, and he read Acts 9. And he, he wouldn't accept the accept conversion unless he had the same experience. He wanted to see the light. He wanted Christ as it were to appear uh, to him. Doesn't happen. This is a very special uh, appearance of Christ uh, for uh, the Apostle uh, Paul, but it's, it's not uh, for us. And that's what we must see in this in this text. There's a particular reason why the why there was this light. Uh, verse 17. Also, Ananias went his way and entered into his house, and putting his hands on him, said, "Brother saw the Lord even Jesus." appeared unto thee in the ways thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's an appearance of Christ. This is what it is. It's not just a vision uh, that uh, Paul is seeing. It's an actual appearance of the risen, glorified uh, Savior. Ananias had a vision telling him to go and speak to Paul. Saul himself, when he was in Damascus, had a vision telling him Ananias was going to come and lay his hands upon him. But this light and this appearance of the Lord Jesus to Saul uh, outside uh, Damascus was an appearance uh, of the risen and glorified uh, Christ. That's why uh, he saw the light was, exceeded the light of the sun. You remember how the Lord on that Mount of Transfiguration... He was transfigured and his face shone and his clothing shone so brightly and that light again uh, that that was him as it were getting uh, there was a glimpse of him in his in his glory and here again we see have a glimpse of of Christ the appearance of Christ in his glory and it was necessary for the apostle for Saul rather who is to be an apostle to see the risen Christ because that was one of the qualifications for being an Apostle at that time. A person who was an Apostle had to see the risen Christ. And Paul is going to need uh, to, be, to refer. People would ask him, well, wh- when did you uh, you call yourself an Apostle? Well, give us proof. And he would say, well, I've seen Christ. In Corinthians, uh, there were some who did doubt Uh, His apostleship and he said in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 1 am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? And then again in 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, verse 8 He said uh, last of all he was seen by me with no one after not a vision but he saw with his actual eyes for a short time the risen Lord Jesus Christ so in Saul's call to service to be an Apostle uh, which coincided with his being uh, converted uh, He had to see the risen Christ. We don't because we're not Apostles You and I are not called. We're called to be disciples, but not Apostles. So this was uh, uh, only uh, for uh, uh, for Saul and uh, so, so the Lord uh, appeared uh, to him. Saul can see the Lord but it's only for a very, very short time, because uh, soon the light of the glorified Christ so dazzles him that he is blinded uh, by it, and he, he cannot, uh, he can only uh, hear before, yes, he as we read on, he, he's led into the city. But verse 4, he fell on the earth when he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the lord said i am jesus whom thou persecutest it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks and then look at this verse six he's a changed man he trembling and astonished said lord what wilt thou have me to do now friends it's impossible to exaggerate here what happened to saul in that instance in those few moments the proud pharisee is changed and he's now a trembling man the confidence has gone out of him And uh, one who within uh, the hour was very soon to ride in pomp through the city, causing terror to all the believers and uh, uh, was ready to apprehend them. He now enters the city, a stricken man, a trembling man, groping man, clinging to a guide. And uh, he arrives at the house of Judas where he's led there and he seeks seclusion in the house. Leave me alone, he says and he's uh, in his own room for three days uh, without food, without drinking absorbed in his thoughts and all that was uh, going on. Verses 7 to 9 tells of these things in that those three days he couldn't see anything but what tremendous thoughts must have been going on revolving in his mind as this new information flooded in upon him and he was able to go over uh, his uh, his his old uh, understanding of the law, he had. This is where his uh, learning by heart the Old Testament and the law came into in help. He couldn't see, couldn't read the scrolls, but he had it all in his mind. But now he's seeing things in a new light. He's in those three days. He's also praying. Verse eleven tells us uh, that uh, the Lord told Ananias, "Go." go to go to the house of Judas for one called Saul, for behold uh, he uh, prayeth. And that's true for every uh, believer as well, every converted person. No one that he's a praying person, she's a praying person. No one has been saved without personal prayer, without a personal crying to the Lord and seeking the Lord. That's so essential as well. Well think, think friends of what he was going through and thinking about in those three days of seclusion. You can imagine with all the, uh, that Old Testament learning at his fingertips and he was revolving all those new things in his mind, he was putting together uh, the lives of those new believers and then uh, to crown it all, the risen Christ, the risen Jesus of Nazareth, the ascended, glorified Son of God. Visiting him appearing to him and declaring to him his being and what he wanted him to do all in in one moment in that uh, dark uh, secluded room Uh, He's putting all these things together going through those prophecies of of uh, of the Old Testament of the Messiah and then uh, uh, Coming to that conclusion Jesus of Nazareth is truly uh, the Messiah well friends we can be sure that he learned so much in those three days and uh, got uh, the bulk of, or the the basis, the foundation of the gospel in those three days. Perhaps we could also say of other people, other men of God like Whitfield and Wesley, perhaps in a lesser way though, how they also, at the moment of conversion or soon after, were able to see clearly that salvation is by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Saul uh, gets a grasp of the essential doctrines of the gospel and the person of Christ, uh, so that on receiving his sight through Ananias, uh, he immediately was able, in verse 20, to go out and to preach Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But personally, in one moment, his whole life uh, is changed is shattered into a million pieces. His worldview has crumbled and he counts all his former righteousnesses as rubbish. He saw all as a vain superstition and of no use to take him to God. Such is also every believer's real conversion. We come to an end of ourselves. We repent and we turn away from the old life and feel such an amazing thankfulness to God. That he has not held us accountable for our sins, but uh, freely uh, forgiven us. And also to us, we can say, an an understanding, an instinctive understanding is given to us of the gospel. For us, uh, we see in some way, uh, quite clearly, this is the way of salvation. And so uh, those three days of blindness would have done uh, Saul a lot of uh, good, but I move uh, I move uh, to a conclusion here. Saul, no doubt, was bursting to tell uh, others of the Savior uh, who had found him. And then Ananias came and confirmed to him that this was, uh, his, uh, in, this was his work in verse 40, 40, 15. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And uh, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake." So a confirmation there of his uh, calling. And friends, everyone, every new Christian must have this awareness from the moment of conversion that it is our duty as well as our joy and privilege uh, to serve the Lord, to make the gospel known, to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he can do uh, for them, to be loyal to him, to uh, support those who are ambassadors for him, to identify uh, with the true people of God, to uh, have a testimony uh, that shows it's this is the truth, to see that this is, we are sincere in what we believe, and that let people see that conversion is a real uh, spiritual change of life. In verses 15 and 16, we see he is referred to there as a chosen vessel. Verse 15, go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel uh, unto me and we too are called uh, to serve he was called to serve he is called to take the gospel to others so also friends we are called uh, to serve the lord the lord has sh- shaped paul prepared paul for his work and the lord has shaped us and prepared us uh, to be also a vessel uh, for uh, him to bear uh, his name wherever we go wherever He has placed us, to represent Him, to proclaim Him. That's our job. That's our role. Uh, that's our task until the Lord calls us home or the Lord returns to be a testimony for Him. Maybe to children. It may be to our families. It may be uh, to others whom He places around us. Maybe they're not so important as the kings and the big people that uh, Paul would end up speaking to. Maybe it's just our neighbours across the fence we, we're speaking to, but every soul is important from the youngest to the oldest. And so uh, all, uh, all these uh, lessons, friends, uh, we can draw out uh, from Saul's uh, conversion. I'll just end uh, here with verse uh, 20, uh, 21 and 22. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them? Which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength, and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And as Saul increased the more in strength, so also may we increase to the glory of his name.